In his 2016 book, Homo Deus, the Jewish historian Yuval Noah Harari confidently asserted that since human beings were more likely to die of obesity than famine, plague or violence, it was time for us to set our minds upon a glorious future where humanity would progress to its next stage of everlasting life. His books became international bestsellers, particularly in those small areas of the earth where famine, plague and violence make up the sound bites and video memes that we call the evening news. But then COVID. To be fair, when interviewed recently by the BBC, Dr Harari pointed out that our current experience of pandemic is nothing like the Black Plague of the Middle Ages. Thanks to our technological advances in the last 500 years, we are in a much better position to identify the light at the end of the tunnel as an oncoming train. Last week, I began a short series on just a couple of verses from 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. Let me read them to you. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. The Macedonians report how the Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. To begin with, I focused on turning from idols to the true and living God. And we spent time reflecting on the God of moralistic therapeutic deism or the power behind our contemporary idols of marriage, mortgage and management. Just to refresh your memories, the tenets of MTD are a God who exists, who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. God wants people to be decent and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and most world religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to solve a problem. Good or decent people go to heaven when they die. Since COVID-19 broke out, this hapless demon seems the perfect candidate for the traditional problem of evil. Typically, the problem sounds like this question, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, why is there evil in the world? Answer, well, the God of MTD is either indifferent to our plight or unable to do anything about it. That's why we believe in the true and living God, who intervenes by his Holy Spirit through the person and work of Jesus the Christ. Only he is the God worth serving with our lives. And this fact brings us to the second aspect of the Thessalonian faith that Paul thought was worthy of recording in Holy Scripture. Serving. On Thessalonians 1 verse 9, the Macedonians report how the Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. After the fundamental pivot that is turning comes the life-transforming act that is serving. But what does that look like in our context? That's the question of the generation, isn't it? Well, I suggest it looks like three things this morning. 
Firstly, it looks like recognising the uniqueness of the time of our service. Secondly, committing to the unique nature of our service. And thirdly, valuing the unique purpose of our service. A unique time, a unique nature and a unique purpose for our service. But before I go on to those, let me pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray this morning for mercy. Turn our hearts from idols towards you as the true and living God and empower us by your spirit to serve you. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. So firstly, serving the living and true God during a unique time. Last week I drew our attention to the fact that we turn to a God who intervenes in our history to reveal his claim over history. Unlike the absent and alienated God of MTD, the true and living God guides and governs human history to show us his lordship over history. His lordship comes in two forms. Incidentally, in seasons like the plague that cover us at the moment, but, and far more gloriously, the true and living God revealed his lordship over time and space when he raised Jesus of Nazareth from the dead and installed him at the right hand of heaven. As Peter told the crowds at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised this Jesus. He's been exalted to the right hand of God. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus both Lord and Messiah. The resurrection of Jesus the Christ from the dead defines and confines the context of our service. We are, as Karl Barth described it, we are living in a unique time of God. For there is only one side of history that really matters to the true and living God, and that is being on the resurrection side of history. Now, it's easy to misunderstand the nature of this unique time, or at least its consequences. For example, it appears that some of the Thessalonians were afraid that their dead might miss out on meeting the resurrected Jesus. They were on the wrong side of resurrection history, or so they thought. But Paul writes in chapter 4, verse 14, Since we believe that Jesus Christ rose and died and rose, in the same way God, through Jesus Christ, will bring the sleeping ones with him, then the dead in Christ will rise first. Don't worry, Jesus was raised to life, but that doesn't mean the dead have missed out. In fact, when Jesus returns, the dead will be the first to meet him. Now, that the dead will not miss out on resurrection is by no means a license for complacency. Especially the obvious or the oblivious existence of narcissism inspired by the God of MTD. Rather, as Paul writes, echoing Jeremiah in chapter 5, verse 3, when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, the labour pains of a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark, 
For this day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. The current pandemic has caught our materialistic globalist culture by surprise. If the US is any indication, the fatuous nature of consumer individualism swings wildly from manic denial of the plague to a morbid nihilism that life as we know it has ended. But we who live in the light of the resurrection do so neither fearfully nor complacently. Even though the incessant immediacy of digital notification deadens our sense of time, even though the relentlessness of COVID-19 threatens to swallow us in a mire of a thousand regulatory variations so that we constantly wonder whether we're moving forward or backward, even though these circumstances seek to cloud our judgment, none of these things define our time For as Paul wrote, we serve the living and true God who raised Jesus from the dead. The uniqueness of our place in history rests solely in the fact that we live on the resurrection side of history. To confuse the significance of a season of pandemic with the intervention of the resurrection of Jesus is like seeing a cloud passing across the sun and thinking that the day has come to an end. The severe mercy of the pandemic is that it reminds us that death is real and that should clarify our minds to the reality that we serve the true and living God in a unique time of the resurrection of the dead. So now, now that we know what time it is, we're in a much better place to know what our unique service for the true and living God really is. We serve in a unique time and we serve with a unique message. I often enjoy the remarks of William Willimon, uh, the former chaplain of Duke University in North Carolina. In his usual excoriating fashion, he recently challenged the devotees of TMD with the question, what's a gracious God up to in this unique time? Well, how can we hitch our lives to what this God is doing? Once again, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. In the power of the Holy Spirit, God raised Jesus from the dead to rescue us from the coming wrath. This is our unique message and therefore our unique service during this unique time of God. The pandemic has revealed all manner of frailties and failings in our globalised culture. As I mentioned earlier, COVID has revealed that the deity of modern consumer society seems neither therapeutic nor even moral. The gap between the rich and poor is exactly the distance between access to reliable and affordable medical facilities and burial in a mass grave outside a Brazilian city. The chances of surviving the infection are inversely proportional to the darkness of one's skin. And for that matter, the pandemic has proved for some that the moment of truth or reckoning for the Eurocentric culture that has despoiled and exploited the world of Indigenous peoples for the last 200 years has reached its end. 
But as urgent as all these matters are, the true and living God has not permitted, let alone commissioned, COVID-19 to alert us to their importance. Again, quoting Willimon, when the world asks, got any word from the Lord? And we say nothing other than what the world is already telling itself, we impugn the gospel. The COVID era presents the church with an extraordinary opportunity to testify to the world that the world is God's and that a Jew from Nazareth who lived briefly, died violently and rose unexpectedly is even now busy reconciling the world to God. That's the story that the world will not tell itself. Before, during and after this season of plague, this season of play, our unique service is to rehearse the apostolic testimony that God raised Jesus from the dead who rescues us from the coming wrath. During a plague, the church must do what the world can't, preach the gospel of the king who saves. A virus can't change the course of human history as much as God already has when he raised Jesus from the dead. Now, admittedly, Paul doesn't appear to expect such preaching of the Thessalonians. Rather, his exhortations focus more on not being idle. So in chapter 4, verse 11, he exhorts them to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to, be, and to work with your hands so that you may behave properly in, in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. Or in chapter 5, verse 14, we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Now, it could be argued, therefore, that the Thessalonian service of the true and living God consists of doing good, to rouse themselves from complacency and to march to the Agora in support of Nubian lives matter. Make no mistake, Nubian lives do matter because the Son of God gave his life for them too. What we do know about the Church of Thessalonica is that they were persecuted for their faith in a similar manner to the original churches of Judea. Paul reminds us of this in chapter 2, verse 14. You, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you also suffered the same things from the people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord and the prophets and persecuted us. The Thessalonians are suffering on account of their testimony to the crucified Messiah, which means that in this unique time of God, their social action was to testify to the God who saves through resurrection from the dead. And so, during this season of plague, our unique service to the true and living God is to proclaim the unique gospel of his son, Jesus the Christ. As Peter told the crowds in Jerusalem, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Finally then, during this unique time and with this unique message, 
We serve the true and living God with a unique purpose. Whether it's because the once brilliant star of the baby boom generation is finally starting to wane, or more likely the age-old human response to mortality, more and more I hear men and women talking about the legacy they are leaving. It's not surprising, perhaps, if the God of MT&D never actually does anything for you, at least one of the basic tenets of its followers is self-determination through self-actualisation. It's no surprise then, I suppose, that the citizens of Babel would band together to make a name for themselves. If you spent your disproportionate share of the world's resources striving to make a difference, carefully curating your brand on the way to becoming an influencer, then you'll need your 15 minutes to last as long as possible. Because only things that last can be considered of any value. Of course, it's easy to mock our pagan culture, but I wonder at times whether Christians aren't always that different. Only one life which soon will pass, only what's done for the Lord will last. Make sure in the line of the crematorium that your casket is marked, she did MTS. It's an undeniable fact of modern geography that human beings are becoming increasingly urbanised. And so therefore, turning our attention to mission from city to city is simply a matter of going where the people are. And yet, even when we do engage in such mission, the unique purpose of our unique message during this unique time is not that we might somehow make the world a better place, even when the grace of God in Jesus Christ changes people's hearts. Christians may well build great cities, discover new cures, or even offer up great works of beauty. But that is not the unique purpose of our service. It's more likely a latter-day manifestation of the Protestant work ethic. No. The unique purpose for us is to proclaim our unique message to escape the coming wrath. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven who raised from the dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. When the king of glory comes, as Paul told the Thessalonians, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will be raised first, but then so will everyone else. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of us will be raised to life again, everlastingly. The tenets of MT and MTD are half right. Everyone will meet the glorious king after they die. But while the great multitude will rejoice in the love of God that brings salvation... For the rest, the great love will be mediated towards their sin only and everlastingly as wrath. I'll say more about this next week as we reflect on the last part of Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonians, that we wait for the return of the king. But for now, we must finish with this stern reminder of the purpose of our unique time. 
As I mentioned last week, COVID has become the great leveller of our generation. For even rich Western people must reflect every day on the fact that they will die. During this unique season, then, we must proclaim our unique message for the unique purpose that the Lord has put before us to escape the coming wrath. Some of you may well proclaim that message to thousands and some possibly to only one or two. But our labour in the Lord will not be in vain because it's true, regardless of how long our various ministries last. This is our unique purpose with a unique message about the resurrected Jesus who saves from the coming wrath. And now more than ever in our generation is the unique time to proclaim it.